I just want to say my Hilux is tougher. It's got stolen so many times, and I've still got it. Anyway, it is good to be with you this morning. Uh, and, uh, you know, the f- for where to, you look amazing, eh? Look at that family. Don't you think they need a hand for how well they're dressed? Yeah, you'll add some culture. I know, you're adding culture. Thank you for making us taste better. As for you, whiteies. Anyway. <laughs> We're continuing the series. Oh, you know, it's so good. The first service, every single dad gets up to pray. And his first prayer is, Lord, help me discipline my my child. I just thought, like, these kids, no spanks. They're getting beaten. It's just like, it's going to be hardcore. Anyway, um, thank you, Lord, that you will help them not discipline so much. Anyway, we are carrying on this series, The Sacred Art of Not Caring, which sounds like a series that should not be taught in church. In fact, it's based on a book that shouldn't be mentioned in church, but, uh, but it is quite a nice play on words, and if you look at the, the banner, you'll laugh a little bit. But here's, here's the thinking behind it, is that everyone wants you to care. And my, my in-laws, so, so I'm married into a family that, that mostly wasn't Christian. My wife, obviously, a Christian, but I, I'm married, and... and um, I think they've been trying to change me. I think they're a little bit nervous that I'm Amish or something because we, we've never had a TV and like they speak about some stuff that we really don't care about because we kind of have the viewpoint on life that if we can't influence it, we don't really care that much about it. And, uh, and so I think they've been trying to educate us for a little while. So they, they came up, I think they conspired and they came up with a plan and they got my, my kids, because this is how you do it, go for the kids. They got my kids a wee. Nintendo Wii. Yeah, look how happy you are. I made you give yours away. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, I'm, it's, I feel bad now. I told him to give his away, and now my kids are going. Anyway, so they give me a Nintendo Wii, and then they give me a TV as well, because you need a TV. And I think they were hoping that I would actually plug the TV in and watch some TV, but I, I, I won't. And uh, there's this thing called internet. But anyway, so we, we start playing Nintendo Wii. And um, it's addictive. I didn't realize how addictive it was, so we started playing baseball. My, my wife said that I was starting to sweat whilst, whilst I was playing baseball. I mean, it's like this, and I'm sweating. And, and she, she was laughing at me. She, was, she walked past me as my little seven-year-old was beating me at baseball. Now, it's okay if he's 15, but at seven, he mustn't beat me. And, and so I'm sweating, and, and now I'm not doing this. I'm doing this, and I, I'm swinging properly. And, and she, she walks back in as I'm swinging, and, um, and as I come to about there, because now I really need to hit this out the park, she, she walks in, and she ducks, and it just goes over her head, just by about this much. Yo. Don't get Nintendo Wii. But anyway, this is going somewhere. So my little girl, she says to me, she, she comes up and she says, Dad, I'm not going to give you any hugs or kisses if you don't let me play Nintendo Wii today. So I said, my sweetheart, if you don't give me any hugs and kisses, I'm going to put Nintendo Wii in Mommy and Daddy's bedroom and we're going to play all night, every night. <laughs> And she said, no, you won't, Dad. <laughs> Beauty. Don't worry, I didn't spank her. Just, just disciplining, helping her. Here's the thing. Everyone around you wants you to care about what they care about. 
And so this whole series is about how do you care about the stuff you need to care about because everyone wants you to care about the thing they care about. Medical companies want you to care about diseases that haven't pitched up yet. Clothing brands want you to care about fashions that haven't hit South Africa. Everyone wants you to care about the thing they care about. Your friends want you to care about the things they care about. It's why you go to a brine, you talk about Eskim for half an hour until you're depressed. It's because everyone's going like, at least we can wind together and then we know we're together and we all believe in the same thing together and we can keep moving together. That's how people think. We want you to care about the things we care about. In fact, social media is built on this concept. You ever seen a Christian Facebook fight? Some of you smiling. You've been in one of them. I, I mean, it amuses me because, because the grace preachers and, and the other preachers, they get into these fights, and then you think the grace preachers want them to go to hell. Like, it's what's, what's going on? It just, it's how do I link to what you care about? Because if you and I care about the same things, then, man, we can make life change around these certain things. Then we feel safe with these things. Then I feel, I feel connected around these things. But everyone wants you to care about their stuff. And here's the big idea. You only have so many cares. You only have so much time. You only have so many resources. You only have so much energy. You, you only have so much life to care with. And with everything going after you, what I found in life is that if you don't make the right decisions about what you care, care about, you'll end up either in a world of pain or in a world of emptiness. See, Jesus says this stuff. He says, now he, received, he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, hears what God's plan for your life is, hears the, how God wants you to live with a glint in your eye and with passion in your heart and with a strong back and an open heart, how he wants you to live alive. And the cares of this world, the cares you shouldn't be caring about, and the deceitfulness of riches choke this word and he becomes unfruitful. Here's the idea. You care about the wrong stuff, your life will go into a series of, of space of chaos and become unfruitful. Unfruitful. The whole purpose of your life is that you would be fruitful. Caring about the wrong stuff will land you in unfruitfulness. So I want to look at Jesus and how he navigated caring. I just want to know, are there any people here and you've got like 300 best friends? Any, any of those people? Maybe not 300, like 50 best friends. Like you just have everyone come. I'm, I'm like that. Am I the only person? I like you all. Okay, you and me. I've got two of us. Uh, any of you love cats? Okay, so those are the rescuers in the room. Look around, look at the... <laughs> any of you rescue things? Okay. You really need this message. <laughs> any bosses here? Anyone boss? Anyone parent? Okay. okay, you guys really need this message. I want to look at the other side of Jesus. We always look at Jesus' compassion, which is mind-blowing. We look at his, his love. It'll wreck you. We look at how he's always after the best of people. It'll blow you away. 
But I want to look at how Jesus does life, because if you're going to do a life that makes a difference in this world, you have to learn Jesus' patterns and how he, how he cares for people with such strong boundaries and, and how he puts people into right spaces so that they don't have the choice of not growing and, and how he manages this. And, and I'm going to look at a portion of Scripture that, that really isn't that exciting to look at. Because Jesus is fairly harsh in this. But if you start to understand the heartbeat and pattern your life after it, it begins to produce a sustainability in you. So I'm going to read a whole bunch of scripture from Luke 9, 51. I'm just going to read off here. So. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans. Oh, where's verse 1? I'll read verse 1 to you. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Another version says he strengthened himself to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messages ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. And they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell, farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Hectic Jesus. I want to start by asking this question. What have you set your face towards? Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. What have you set your face towards? What have you set your life to? What goals have you set? What spiritual goals have you set? What, what have you said, this year, I want to be here with God. I want to be here and making an impact. I want to be in this place. What, what have you set your face towards? Because if you don't set your face towards something, parasites will come. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a ship that's left in the harbor and stays there for a long period of time, gets covered in barnacles and all kinds of stuff. But when it starts to sail, stuff gets washed off. I want you to know this. If you do not set your face towards something, if you don't get sailing, if you don't go, I'm going there this year, what will happen is parasites, not kids, will come round and they will wrap themselves onto you and soon you'll find yourself in Netflix habits and this habit and that habit and you will find yourself covered in parasites and lying like this. You've got to set your face somewhere. You've got to, you've got to go, this year, this is my goal, this year, God, I'm asking you for this. This year, God, I want to grow here. If, if you don't do that, know the cares of this world are coming after you. Jesus set his face somewhere. Now, I also want you to know this. If you set your face somewhere, you're going to get pushback. When I first became a Christian, 
what I would do is my, my mates would go partying late on Saturday night, and they generally wake up late on Sunday morning. So I'd, I'd race to church because I didn't want them to know I was going to church because I knew I, they would abuse me when I got back. I'd race to church, generally cry my eyes out because the Holy Spirit was doing something in me, and then I would sort myself out and get back home, and I would always hope that they wouldn't be awake because if they were awake, they were going to give me gears. Anyway, and, and this would continue. And then... Um, I stopped drinking. And when I stopped drinking, my mates would, they would have a few drinks and then they would say, we want the old Ross back. Bring the old Ross back. And, and the moment you start going, I'm setting my face somewhere, you're going to get pushback. The moment you go, I'm setting my face in the direction where I only bring life. You're going to get to a bride and you're going to be talking about ESCOM and you're going to go, you know what? I'm not going to engage in this conversation unless we're going to bring life, and you're going to get pushback. If you set your face, you're in for pushback, so you have to know Jesus' pattern of doing life so that you can survive the pushback. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. The next verse says, And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. If you're set towards somewhere, you will not be received by some people. What's fascinating about this is that a few chapters back, the Samaritans were bending over backwards to receive Jesus. He spoke to a woman at a well. She went and told everybody else. Everybody was going, Jesus, come stay at my house. Jesus, come eat at my home. Jesus, you will be received here. And a few chapters later, he's going to Jerusalem, and they go, I don't want this. Now, the disciples do something strange. It says, and when the disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Which is something you'd expect Peter to do. It's like disappointing that it's James and John doing it. Like, you expect it from Peter. But he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. Jesus turned and rebuked them who were hurt. These guys were racists. Jews hated Samaritans. But they'd opened their heart up to the Samaritans. They'd opened a way in. They'd ministered to them. They started to believe in them. They started to take a risk on them. And then a few months later, they say, can we stay at your house? And they go, no. You ever invested in someone or, or, or something that everybody told you don't do this? But you went, maybe this will work. Maybe he'll change. Some of you like. <laughs> I invested in one of my, my youth kids coming through. Uh, he wanted to start a surfboard factory, I guess. And so I bought like, I don't know how many boards from him. They were so bad. The one... I asked him to put the fins on the other side so that I could try and surf it. Maybe it would go better. It was just, it was so bad. And then after I'd bought, I don't know how much money I'd spent on boards to try and help him get his business going, he closed the business down. You, you know what you want to do when that happens? Fire. <laughs> 
And when you want to call fire down on someone, it's generally the issue is more with you than it is with someone. Now, the reason I'm going here is because I've seen so many Christians get hurt ministering to people, investing in people, caring for people, looking after people. They get so hurt that they go, never again. I want to say to you, Jesus has a better way. See, Jesus is not particularly bothered by the Samaritans. He's bothered by his disciples. Jesus doesn't say anything about the Samaritans. You're going to see my incredible artwork. What Jesus does is he says, don't you know what manner of spirit you are? He rebukes his disciples. I want to tell you why Jesus was not bothered by the Samaritans. Jesus, if you look at his interactions, interactions knew that he always had a crowd. And he knew that God had called him to minister to the crowd. There is a crowd in your world. There are people who you are called to minister to. They're people at work, they're, they're employees, they're, they're people who work for you, they family around you. You are called to minister to them. You're called to serve them, to give to them. They're people you minister to. And if you understand that you are called to minister to them, then you do not get ups, upset when they have no place for you. Jesus understood the crowd was who he ministered to. He then had disciples, his community, of which there was 12 and then 72 and 120. There was a whole big crowd of them who he ministered with. They cast out demons. They they healed the sick with him. They traveled with him. They baptized people with him. He did life with them. And then he had his core. Peter, James, and John. And the disciples, he unpacked the parables that he preached to the crowd with the disciples. They got more of him, but they didn't get what the call got. The call got to see Jesus transformed on the mountain of transfiguration. The call got to go in and raise the dead girl back to life. The call got to go places with Jesus that nobody else went. Jesus, who loved completely He didn't love one group more than the other. He loved completely. He has no favorites. Had circles. And here's why Jesus needed circles. Because everybody wanted Jesus to care about the things that they cared about. And so Jesus had to stagger it in a way that was sustainable. And so what he did is he shared his life. He was vulnerable. He gave his heart to the core. He did ministry. And loved the community, and he ministered to the crowd. And when the crowd rejected Jesus, it was water off a duck's back. He was not expecting them to receive him. That was fine. When Peter rejected Jesus, Jesus went straight after him. Now, I'm telling you this stuff because I see so many Christians treating the crowd like they're the core and getting broken up because the crowd has no place for them and getting stuck and not getting up again. And here's the deal. If you're a Christian, you are going to get hurt. 
There is suffering in this life. If you're going to minister to people, if you're going to care for people, you're going to get battered. You better get your circles right. If you're going to sit in the harbor, you're not going to get hurt. Chilled. Don't stress about it. But if you want to make a difference in this life, you're going to get hurt. So I'm sitting with a coach. He says this to me. He says, Ross, you have the same problem I see most business guys have. He says, your boundaries suck. You put your 300 best friends in the same circle. You're dwarf. Then he says this. He says, people who make a difference have incredibly strong boundaries and incredibly high empathy. And when those two circles come together, you have health and sustainability. If you're no boundaries and all empathy, you're a walking burnout. If you're all boundaries and no empathy, you're like Hitler. So I want you to get this right. So I started looking at Jesus. And you know what you start to find about Jesus? Jesus' boundaries are incredibly high. Do you remember Jesus' parents? Don't worry, mom and dad, this won't happen to you. Jesus' parents come in and they, they decide they're going to tell Jesus what to do. That he's nuts and he needs to be pulled away. Remember what Jesus did? The messenger comes, your mom and dad want you. Jesus goes, nah, this is my mom and dad. This is my family. Jesus, when the Pharisees, they, tried to, they kept trying to trap him. You know what he would do? He would go, nah, I'm not getting involved in this. You answer my question, I'll answer yours. You don't want to answer mine, I'm not going to answer yours. This is Jesus' ultimate love. His, his boundaries were so high. When people tried to manipulate him and people tried to get him to do stuff that he didn't feel the Father was calling him to do, he would just put a boundary in place. In fact, this scripture is full of boundaries. He says to them, you do not know what manner of spirit you are, for the Son of Man came not to destroy people's lives, but to save them. And then he went on to another village. Before I, I get into more boundaries, I want you to see this. Jesus lets the rejection wash off him, and he goes to another village. And some of you have been rejected, and I know what that feels like. Man, it hurts. You've been rejected by people who you thought would be, you'd be doing squad goals with. You know, like when you're old, you'd be doing bowls together. We'll be building for the rest of our lives. And then one day you wake up and that person's gone. And they've rejected you. And it hurts like hell. Jesus always knew there was another village. I want to say to you, you forgive, you forget, there's another village, there's another serving team, there's another life group, there's another job, there, there are other friends. Jesus has always got another village. There's another thing for you. Stop holding on to the last thing. Let that go. Bless those people. Forgive them. Let it out because he's got another village. He says... It says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no way to lay his head. What Jesus is doing here is, is he's going, foxes belong to this world. Birds belong to this world. But if you want to be with me, I belong to a different world. 
He's putting a boundary in place. He's going, this and this, which you want to be part of, matters too much to me for me to let anyone with any set of values in here. If you want to be with me, Jesus is saying, in this space, you've got to know there's a cost. Why don't you just listen to these other ones? To another, he said, follow me. But the guy said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. It's hectic. You want to know what's, what's happening here? Is Jesus knows he's about to go to a cross. This isn't Jesus being mean. This is Jesus going... I'm about to go to a cross. It's going to be so painful for all the people around me. They're going to see me ripped apart. They're going to have all their hope dashed. They're going to feel disappointed and disillusioned. Simon's, Simon Peter's going to betray me. Judas is going to hang himself over this. It is going to be brutal, and you're not ready. That's what he's saying. See, what I've realized about Jesus is if the closer you want to get to him, the more you have to let go. The more you have to leave behind. Jesus will never stop you from coming closer. He'll just keep telling you, if you want to get closer to me, you've got to leave that behind. And you've got to leave that behind. And you've got to leave that behind. Because I protect this. This ends with... Lord, let me go first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus says, no one who put his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, I don't suggest you use that liner on your mates. But this is what I want you to know. That you cannot sail with the Holy Spirit in a sustainable way if you don't know who your core is that you share your heart with. And you don't have a community that you build with. And you're not very clear about the crowd who you live to serve. Without these things clear in your heart and mind, you're going to consistently, I know I've been doing it for 15 years, you're going to consistently find yourself in pain. And when you find yourself in pain, you're going to numb and you're going to do stupid stuff and you're going to, have to, you're going to go on cycles. And I don't know about you, but I've got to the stage where I don't want to do any more of those cycles. I want to love so deeply because I've got clarity. I want to share my heart completely. And I want to build so effectively and I want to serve people so well because I've got empathy and boundaries like my king. Now, church, for some of you, this is kind of going boom over your head. Sorry. One day you will listen to this and go, thank you. If you're going to form boundaries in your life, you're going to have to be so brave. It requires so much courage, which is why Jesus, 
the Holy Spirit puts into the scriptures, be strong and courageous because you're going to have to be so courageous. And some of you have been hurt by your core. You fight for your core. You've been hurt by your core, you go back after them. People that God's called you to serve, you go and make right. You've been hurt by the crowd, get over it. Forgive them. Move forward. You've been hurt by your community, build. There's another village. And know this, Jesus will die and give and serve and make righteous wherever you're at. Because he loves people wherever they're at. Let's stand. Now, Jesus, what I'm asking you for is a church that does relationships so well because they see your pattern, they live in your grace. And Father, I thank you that you sent your son to die for us wherever we're at. However far away we are, wherever our faith's at, Lord, you, you sent him to die for us wherever we're at. But I thank you, Jesus, that you offer us closer. And I ask God as a church, we will get closer. In your holy name. Amen.